Believe it or not, scientists say that statistically, every person has roughly six people just like you out there in this world. Today, we're going to meet one of mine. He doesn't exactly look like me because of his hair. But if you want to learn a few things about selling, this podcast is for you. Let's have ourselves a pocket-sized pep talk and learn from one of my doppelgangers. A pocket-sized pep talk, the podcast that can help energize your business and your life with a quick, inspiring message. Now, here's your host, Rob Jollis. Today's guest, Neil Wood has filled his life with activities he is passionate about. And he's passionate about a lot of things. Marathon racing and two victories, the U.S. Olympic trials and a 217 marathon. The U.S. Air Force, author of five books, top performer in sales in the financial services industry, a professional speaker with more than 5,000 presentations under his belt, and these days, a full-time facilitator with Rain Group. Neil, welcome to the show. Oh, Rob, it's a pleasure to be here. We go way back, don't we? We do. We do. We were, we were, I, I had a head of hair, I think, when I first met you. Uh, I, we, we were even closer to that doppelganger. I just took a little right turn over there and you stayed straight. But yeah, I would say it's at least 25 years, Yes, maybe a little yes. longer. We've shared a couple stages together, folks. So, uh, we 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 we've watched each other and we the nice thing about our friendship i believe is that we've kept an eye on each other we don't talk every day but we don't get too far out of bounds so um i'm just thrilled to have you on the show and uh and and talk about a few things maybe we haven't talked about before but start with the rain group i don't know much about that group tell me about that group you're working with oh rain crew's been around 21 years now and uh they provide training sales training throughout the world we have offices in Mumbai, London, Australia, certainly here in Boston, and uh, it, it ties into everything. You know how to how to create a value proposition, uh, how to ask questions and and pay attention, right? How to listen, really pay attention. Wait, we got to do both those. I got to ask questions and listen to the answer. Come <laughs> well, on! It's, it's so funny. I was training a group two weeks ago, and they I said, remember, listen and silent have the same letters. They're just rearranged. And a woman wrote it down. She said, oh, my gosh, you're absolutely right. I said, I know I do this for a while. I've been doing this for a while. But uh, it ties into so many things, and especially since the world has gone virtual. We made a full speed push uh, when COVID hit to teach people how to have virtual meetings, sales sessions. So it's been it's been really fun. The best part, Rob, I'm working with people I like. And they're really bright people. It'd be like working with 15 of you. You know, right. these are they're good people uh, who work from the heart and they really want to make a difference as you and I have. Well, that's terrific. And it's one of the greatest blessings you can have. And, you know, I tell people in their 20s, hang in there. And it doesn't necessarily happen at that first decade out of school, but that's the path we all try to build. Do something that is fulfilling and work with people that we actually care about and respect. So um, you're a blessed man, my friend. But let's go back a little bit. So. You got your start in sales. How did you get started? Wow. You know, when I think back to Little League, where we had to sell candles or calendars or anything like that to raise funds, um, that's really where I got my start. And I thought, you know, after knocking on a few doors and just being pleasant and showing them what I had, people say, sure, I'll buy, I'll buy five of those. And I thought, this is so easy. And I continued selling little things like that um, throughout school. And one of the biggest fundraisers in high school was selling these candy bars that were back then were 50 cents. Oh, and yeah. I, was, I was number one every single year by a long shot. It wasn't even close, but I was doing something. I was selling something I believed in. Uh, you have to bring some personality and kindness and humility, as you've talked about on other podcasts. And people just like to do it. They like to buy from me. Yeah. So it's easy. Yeah. And, you know, you hit on something that I, I think people keep forgetting. It's, it's the same when we write books. I mean, I get people come up and ask me, they tell me, I want to write a book. I want to write a book. And I go, well, okay, what do you want to write about? And they go, well, I haven't figured that part out yet. And, you know, you got to have that passion. If you're going to write, you have to have that same passion when you're selling. And I think it's, uh, it's probably the quickest exit out of sales. If you get into a job, regardless of the monetary gains or that, that you receive, eventually it just erodes at you and kind of eats away at you 
it all starts with believing in what you're doing, believing in that product. And um, so again, uh, just it's, it's that it's, it's almost like the foundations. That's where we build the house on, right? Got to love the product. And if we're lucky, love the people we're working with. That's so, right. Hey, you know, hey, hey, yep. go on, sorry. Well, hats off to you. I'm, I'm just, I'm just impressed that um, you will be able to find a group like that. Uh, I'm I'm a little squirrely about the different sales organizations. I've been on my own so long that the last group that I I worked with with other trainers just like me was Xerox. Yeah, and um, well, it was thirty years ago. It was a few years ago. It was wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and you know, I had my own gig for a while. Um, you know, maybe we're a little bit different. The one thing I missed having just my own business, I was alone. And I'm more of a team player, you know, after being in the Air Force and all the different sports teams that I was on, I'm more of a, let's go guys, ladies and gentlemen, let's, let's take that mountain. We can do this. Let's set a big goal and go after it. It's a little different when you're on your own. You mastered it. I mean, you excelled and you've had a tremendous career. After being with both, I really enjoy being on a team. Yeah. You know, uh, I miss my Xerox days, but I, I, I just sort of, I, it's funny, you know, everybody points at me and goes, that guy jealous, there's your, there's your poster child for an extrovert. And I'm clearly an extrovert. But I've developed such a rhythm over the decades of really wanting to be alone uh, when I travel, wanting to be alone in my hotel room, wanting to be alone until the, I hear my name called and then explode into that group, work with that group, love that group, you know, fight with that group. Then go back to my cave, go back to that, that Uber, go back to, I'm, I'm not a guy who talks on an airplane. Don't talk to me. I, I, I kind of go back and say, so I, I guess I sort of fluctuate back and forth. That said, Neil, I'm not going to tell you that I'd be disappointed if I had a good group of, of people around me. I've just been doing this for so long that I'm kind of a, a very comfortable with myself. It's interesting that you mentioned that because I'm the same way. When I go to a hotel, when I'm staying at a hotel, I don't eat downstairs in the bar. I get take up. I bring it up to my room. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, I'll spend time reading or, or, or learning new things on YouTube about how to be a better presenter. Um, like you, I'm always trying to get better. On the airplane, out of thousands of flights that you and I have been on, I've had maybe 10 chats, like really good chats. You just meet somebody that's great chemistry. Otherwise, headphones go on. I'm gone. I'm gonna, that I'm interesting. Gonna... And, you know, I, uh, it's funny because anybody who saw us walking down the street would say, now, those are two guys that won't shut up on a plane. The complete opposite. I, I'm almost disappointed when somebody goes, so how you doing? I'm like, oh, no, 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 can't. No, I got just I got too much work and I just uh, but yeah. Uh, so, you know, uh, I have a bunch of authors that write about introverts and extroverts. Teach you a little thing about uh, we extroverts we all have another gear. Uh, so uh, don't, don't make too many assumptions about us. We may not be the one talking to you on that plane. All right. right. Let's talk about, let's talk about um, some uh, salespeople because you, you work with a lot of them. I work with a lot of them. And yet the ones that are good, they seem to do things on a consistent basis that are different from their colleagues. And, and it's not getting them, uh, you know, a massive hits, but it's consistently getting them one more hit out of 10, two out of 20, five out of 50, 10 out of 100 consistently. So tell me, if you were to unpack that, what are some of the things that you see that you think some of the successful people are doing that maybe the others aren't? I find that the successful people, the salespeople in our industry are always trying to find ways to get better. You know, if we look at, well, we've got the Super Bowl coming up. Uh, you look at all the athletes, whether it's football, golf, baseball, the best athletes are always trying to get better. They don't f rest on their laurels and say, hey, I'm, you know, I was number one last year in, in rushing yards. No, no. How can I be number one again this year? What do I have to do? How can I run faster? How can I cut differently? So I have found the best salespeople are always trying to get better. And they also look around to find out what their clients really need. So one of the things that separated me back in the 90s when I was selling mutual funds as a wholesaler was I noticed all my competitors would come in and pitch a fund. Oh, you should see our growth fund. And after talking to a number of sales managers, I realized it's just commodity. There are more than 10,000 funds at the time. 
And I thought, how can I really make an impact in the lives of these salespeople? So I created six value-added presentations, how to get more referrals, how to strengthen client relationships. And it goes on and on and on. And I remember the first time I visited with a brand new sales manager at Smith Barney at the time in Boston. And I introduced myself, I had just taken over the account and he said, uh, so what can I help you with? Kind of abruptly, almost like they say in Boston and other places you've been, what do you got? Right, it's like one <laughs> word, what do you got? And I said, well, let me come in and, and host a lunch. He said, yeah, yeah, Neil, you and everybody else, tell you what, call me back in a year. I said, a year, why? He said, we don't need to hear about another growth fund. I said, oh, so here comes the value prop. Do you know how so many wholesalers come in and pitch their favorite hot fund of the month? What I do is completely different. I have six value-added training programs that I've developed for financial advisors to grow their business, to bring in more revenue, to help them just grow and do things they like and get more referrals. Oh. He paused. He opened his calendar and said, how soon can you come in? We'd like you in once a month because I wasn't like everybody else. Yeah. The other thing I did is I... You know, I worked for a fund company that was mediocre. We had mediocre funds. So I had to carve out a niche for myself and be a little bit different. So I noticed that when I would talk to somebody and say, oh, I do business with XYZ company. I'm not going to name any fund companies. You know all the big ones, right? And But the damn wholesaler won't give me a call back. I'm getting them $3 million this year. And I thought, ha, note to self. So I, I let my voicemail change that day. I said, hey, this is Neil Wood with XYZ. If you need something, please leave your name and phone number, and I promise to call you back within three hours. Not three days, not sometime next week, three hours. It was different. And all of a sudden, people realize, people, clients, prospects, huh, this guy really wants the business. You know what? I'm not going to give $3 million to this guy again. I'm going to start giving money to Neil Wood because he wants the business, and he's here to help us grow. So that was different. And that's where I found the top salespeople in our industry doing it's like. What can I be doing differently? How can I stand out? It takes extra effort. Yes, it probably took me a few weeks to develop those programs, the value-added programs. I rode that horse for 10 years. Right. That's actually how I entered the financial industry. When I came out of Xerox, I entered on the value-add side. And so, uh, and, it, and I will tell you the company because they've changed hands 15 times since then, but it was Van Camp and Merritt oh. uh, back, way back then. Uh, before they became Van Camp and American Capital, and who knows? They, 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 but um, that whole value-added side, and they were doing something different because back then, if you wanted to add value, if you were, we were going to provide a value-added incentive, it was Nick's tickets on the floor. <laughs> that was that was the value-add back then. And a little Van Camp and Merit, uh, which really wasn't a giant company at the time, was one of the first that said, you know what, rather than tickets on the floor, we're going to see if we can't help you get better, provide some sort of resource to help you. That will be our value add and, and in the form of training. And that really uh, launched their value add side. I think they were really one of the first to really put dollars behind it. And it launched my career as a professional speaker uh, out of Xerox. So I'm, I'm all over that value add side. Uh, and I'll tell you one other thing, just a, a, an objection piece came up while you, were, while you were going through your story about guys saying, you know, I hear this all the time. You know, I don't know if you ever heard this deal, but I, I learned when I was a New York life agent, a simple phrase called, that's why I'm here. And if you play that out in your head, no matter what a client says, we've already seen 15 guys just like you. That's why I'm here, because what I cannot or uh, I promise we'd never do business with your company. That's why I'm here. We love your company. Well, that's why I'm here. It, it actually fits. I would I would recommend one a client, but it actually fits if you get stuck and you get hit hard early. Just begin with the phrase. That's why I'm here. You know, we, we've tried this. It has never worked for us. Well, that's why I'm here. So it is a phrase that that rings out in my head. And whenever I hear an objection to this day, I still utilize that one from time to time. I just tried right. it down. I'm borrowing that one. I'll be using that next week in training. Right. People are listening. I'm, I'm watching Neil. I just saw him write that one down. <laughs> so that's, because 
that it it sticks to who you are though neil before we even went on the air you were telling me about how important it is for you to always try and get better always trying to improve right out of the gate the first question i ask you about salespeople: what should they do what are the talented ones always trying to get better i throw out an idea i'm watching you write it down uh you you walk the walk my friend so good for you all right let's flip it a little bit sure we we work with people you know in the sales industry the reason why it isn't for everybody is because you have to deal with defeat a lot you have to deal with failure and um we we they you know they whistle they call in a sales trainer and we try and save them all we do the best we can but some people fail and others succeed brilliantly let's look at it half full okay rather than the fail side why do you think other than that you know dedication desire to get better what do you think separates that failure and, and success? Oh, boy. You know, I, one of the best books I ever read was by Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich. Yep. And I read that when I was 13. And then I continued reading. The, 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 the first day a book showed up in a library, I would read it. And I, I don't know if you know this, but I grew up on welfare until I was 16. Ran away from home because I wanted a better life. I read every book I could probably get my hands on. And it was about creating a great life, how to find success, how to create success, how to have a good attitude. Because one of the things, you know, we can't control the weather or politics. We control our thoughts, our 60,000 thoughts every single day. So what I found in these books, whether it's Zig Ziglar or, or Brian Tracy or uh, Napoleon Hill or, or Norman Vincent Peale, when you get knocked down, it's up to us to get back up. Right? And we will all throughout life, we will get knocked on our butts. And it takes courage and determination to say, huh, okay, lesson learned. I failed. I failed. But that doesn't mean I quit. It means I just learned a valuable lesson. So you and I have been knocked down plenty of times. And when that happens, I think, huh, okay, what can I learn from this? What can I do better or differently next time? So when you look at people like Henry Ford and all these great people who, who built this country and built so many great inventions, they certainly faced failure many times. They just wouldn't quit. It was just a, it was a pause. It was a, a, a slight setback. And, and maybe that's what made us really good marathoners, Rob. We just yeah. quit. We just persevered. Well, now you were, you were, you were a much fat. I, I got right around that three hour mark, but I never got to 217. So uh, that's what made you a great marathoner. I was a grinder in the back there, but I do remember one of the marathon runners, one of the famous ones, maybe it was kick or said, I have more respect for the five hour marathon runners than, than I have for me because that marathon runners feeling every bit the same amount of pain I'm feeling. And I know when I crossed the line, I couldn't go another 10 minutes. That guy's going for two, three more hours. So it's it's a matter of that stuck with me and, and helped me. But I want to stay on your point. You, you get me on marathons. I, I get all over the place. I love what you said, because I and I and once again, we're lined up on this. I, I refer to it a little bit differently, but I call it victim mentality. And victim mentality is to me one of the saddest things that you can see, particularly folks, you're listening to two coaches out here. So we see it a lot. The, we, we all get knocked down. We all get back up. Sometimes it wasn't even fair. We shouldn't have been knocked, but we got knocked down. We're trying to learn from it. The moment you find yourself saying, that wasn't my fault. That was their fault. And, and I even swoop in sometimes when I'm coaching people, I'll say, okay, wait, 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 now wait, I'll make it 90% their fault. How about that way? Well, I call it the 90, 10 rule, 90% their fault. How about just 10% your fault? Just 10% what you do differently. When somebody tells me nothing, there's nothing I could do differently. I actually will not coach them. I'll tell them I've got some numbers for you. I can't work with you. And they seem very stunned, but because I know for I already know for a fact that isn't the first time you you've uttered that phrase. You're the person who things happen to. It was the principal, it's the teacher, it's the electrician. There's a whole string of them. Doesn't happen once. Don't ever, don't ever fall into that victim mentality. So listen to what Neil is telling you here and understand that you have to accept responsibility. Learn from it. And then as Lee Jollis, my dad used to say, then get it behind you then get that lesson in there. And now let's, let's go to the next marathon and see what we can do. Right. But um, don't, you don't have to dwell on it. You just have to learn from it, accept it, figure out what needs fixing, go try again. 
Yep. As an athlete, a professional athlete for 10 years, and as a speaker, as you are and I am, I have learned more from my failures than my successes. Yeah. Because when I when I blundered, whether I was on stage or or wherever, I'd get off and I'd say, okay, what could I have done differently? How could I have done that more effectively? And then I rehearse, 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 rehearse. And one of the best mentors, you and I have had some good mentors, thankfully, along the way. Uh, and you talked about it in one of your podcasts earlier. I was having a woe is me moment when I was 20, 21 years old, stationed in Aviano, Italy, met a great mentor by the name of Tom Kirk. And uh, we were talking and he said, you know, Neil, it's been a pleasure having you in these classes, financial planning classes. When you go back to the States, when your tour is over with the Air Force, you're going to be wildly successful. I said, oh, Tom, thank you. He said, no, I mean it. You keep your promises. You're highly motivated. You have goals. And I said, well, Tom, one thing I never told you is I grew up on welfare. I ran away from home. I grew up really, really poor, terrible role models. And he stopped me in my tracks and he said, you're having a pity party. Let me share a story with you. I was on a bombing mission going 600 miles an hour in a jet in Vietnam. My jet was attacked by a missile. I escaped through the canopy. When I hit the ground, I hit the ground so hard, I was partially blind and I fractured a leg. And I was captured by the Vietnamese and put in Hanoi Hilton for six years. He said, here's what I learned. We all have challenges in our life. The rest of your life, however, is in your hands. It's your responsibility. No excuses. No matter what happens to you, you have got to persevere, look at your goals, and just keep going. Never had a pity party again in my life. And to this day, he just turned 93. We are still dear friends. And I met him in 78. Wow. Yeah. So wow. you, you look at that. And so whenever I floundered in, in whether a sales presentation or a road race, whatever, I said, okay, lesson learned. That'll never happen again. Right. And that's what makes great salespeople, right? Yeah. We find out like you, you've worked with enough salespeople, whatever organization I was with, I'd find out who was at the top and ask them, what makes you great? What, what are you doing that I could be doing? And I found that even if I was fifth in sales, and if I want to talk to number one and number two, they'd be wide open. Sure, Neil, how can I help? What can I do? And the bottom of the pack would never even ask questions. Be like, well, bottom of the pack, my territory stinks, the products aren't good, we have horrible leadership, blah, 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 excusitis, terrible disease. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, kind of goes back to your, you know, trying to improve. I tell you a quick story on my own real fast. I'm 21 years old. I'm not even in the field yet for New York Life. Uh, this is going to date me a little bit, but we got this newfangled thing in called a VCR. It was very new. <laughs> and uh, we had, uh, I think it was 74 agents at the Washington GO5, what we call Chairman's Council. That was the top 5% uh, percent of the company. Um, and then our club's levels went down from there. Uh, there were 20, I think 23, 24 apprentice field underwriters required to be filmed and evaluated. The rest went into everybody's mailbox. Who would like to be filmed? And and look at yourself. And I mean, this was a big deal. We we, we didn't have any uh, VCRs back then. And uh, would you believe we only got five other people that weren't apprentice field underwriters? All five chairman's council agents <laughs> signed up, and everybody below them thought, "I'm too good for that. I don't need to be filmed. Why would I want to look at myself?" And I remember at 21 thinking, "I think there's a message here that is banging me on the head." And it keeps circling back to your point, Neil, uh, always trying to get better, always trying to, as a, as a runner, get faster, always trying to at least put the best thing we can out on that road race. Uh, you know, 217 is rare air. I'm not sure you got there a lot, but I am sure one thing, knowing you as a person, we always got your best. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, that, that we can control, right? The rest of the stuff we can't. Two weeks ago, I was presenting, uh, doing the sales training like I do for the rain group. I had COVID. And, and of course, I show up. I'm not going to say, by the way, folks, I have COVID. They don't care. They came for training. And, and I said to myself, let's go. It's rally time. It's go time. And one thing you and I have probably run into, I know I have, some people will meet me for the first time. And if I say, hey, Rob, how are you? How are things? They're like, whoa, what, what are you on? D you need to have you know two words, decaf. So I've learned to throttle it up a little bit. I can't turn the lights on full steam ahead when I begin, but I have COVID in the back of my head. I said, 
you know what? You got this. They came to learn some things. And this is a really great group. Forget about COVID. You can deal with it some other time. Uh, rally. You got to rally. And by the way, um, that marathon runner who talked about the five-hour marathon, that was my training partner, Bill Rogers. Oh, wow. And and I, I was there when it he stuck with me, Neil. That was such yeah. an important thing for me to hear because yeah. I always felt sort of disappointed that I couldn't quite get to where they were. But I knew I was in a lot of pain and I and there was nothing left in the tank. And hearing yeah. him say that, it changed the way I approached running. And I lived uh, three miles from him in Natick and he was in Sherborne. And Sunday mornings, he'd say, let's go for our Sunday morning training run. The two of us, uh, this was in 1984 or so, uh, the two of us would go on 20 mile on the Boston Marathon course and would get to a hill. And I'd say, okay, Bill, because this ties into how do we get better, right? I'd say, what are you thinking at this point? Okay, you, you've got a pack and you're all running five minute pace. What should I be thinking when I get to this hill? And he's, he's think, he said, look around, who's breathing hard? Know when you can make a move on somebody. Ties right into sales. How can I get better as a presenter? How can I share stories more effectively? Van Campen was famous for the storytelling for financial advisors, right? right. So I'm right. always looking at how can I pause? Can I breathe differently? How can I get better at what I do? So we are students of the sport. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, for me, it's it's exciting when I find something, no matter how small, that I haven't tried before, or I, I don't do, haven't done before. And that is one of the half folds of me with virtual. It really uh, brought out a, a different um, a different gear. I'll give you something. I, I don't do it very often virtually, so don't ask me to do it now. I'm not set up. But you know, the one thing that I always missed virtually, and I'm going to give you an example of, I don't know of anybody else who tried it. I know I did. I, um, I would tell audiences, listen, I'm, I'm going to go with this blue light like you're right in front of me. I, I start with a jacket. I'm wearing a jacket. I usually have a cup of coffee. I got one in my hand. I'm going, everything is going to be the same. There's only one thing that we're missing, and that's the sound of you, the sound of laughter. And I can't unmute you all. There's too many of you on here. So I actually had on my iPad wired to a little speaker next to my mic. I had a little button I would go for. I say, when I hit something that I think is funny, or you say something funny, you will hear this noise. And it would be like, <laughs> and uh, it, I, I got to tell you, it was one of these ideas, look good on paper. I would frequently miss the button. So my timing was off. I would say, and, you know, when you add two and two, and it gives you seven. <laughs> then it would be like five seconds. <laughs> so so it, uh, it didn't make the cut. I probably did about three or four seminars with it, but I'm giving it as an example. And I have a few secrets I keep close to me of things that I want to do it differently. I want to see what everybody else is doing and go a step further. And I, I think we respect that in salespeople. Let's stay on that for a second. Mm -hmm. Give me, um, I'll tell you what, we'll play a game. You give me two, I'll give you two. And I'm letting you go first. So you get the good ones, okay. but give me two things. Uh, two tips and, and you and I, we can speak for two days, but now we got a client who just said, I want, I want two tips. Give me two tips. So give me two tips that you give to salespeople and I'll give you two. You've got to bring passion. Okay. And you've got to bring a curiosity. So one of the things I, I have, have taught salespeople for 25 years, ask questions, find out what your clients afflictions, the challenges are, and don't stop there because most salespeople will stop there because they want to fix the problem. I also ask, what are your aspirations? What are your goals? If we could, if we could wave a magic wand or flash forward 12 months from now, what's your life look like if we got rid of these issues? I want them to think big. I want them to dream big. Those are my two. What do you have? Well, you, you, got, you got one of the best ones on the board. So I'm, I'm going to re reiterate, but I can't use it. I, I wrote the words go deeper and, and meaning don't just uncover the problem. They already, you know, if they were that smart, they'd have fixed it already. You got to go deeper. So maybe one of them will be, how about ask questions that nobody's ever asked that client before? Mm -hmm. uh, frequently, that won't be the first, that won't be the ones that you have on your pad of paper, by the way. That'll be you listening, processing what you're hearing. And whatever version of that we're talking about, go deeper into it. Ask why. How often? When did that start? Because we don't have to wait for this to become a big problem to address it. And on the client side, on the other end of this table is a client that is struggling with the fact that they know they have a problem. 
they just don't see it as a big problem yet. I, I know I have an old car, but uh, knock on wood, I'm still on my first transmission. Okay, well, then I don't want to talk about that because obviously your transmission will never go out. We have to sometimes talk about, well, what happens if it does? So I guess one would be there. And then I, I took too long on that one. So I'll go quick on the second one. Let's, uh, let's continue to stop obsessing on closing and earn our way to get there. And um, all the things you're hearing from Neil, asking questions, listening. I know, by the way, folks, I know you hear that a lot, but we're two sales trainers who run around the country for decades and decades with what everybody hears, but we just don't see it. So it doesn't count that you know it and it's in your head. You actually have to do it. But uh, let's not obsess on closing. I can, I can assure you, if you create urgency, if you create trust, if you go deeper into that issue, if they own it and find out what the repercussions and impact will be, you don't have to go and read a separate book on how to close. Uh, the, the work comes up front, not at the end. So those are my two. Well, and with that, Rob, here's what you create. When you start to ask questions, and you know this, I'm preaching to the choir, and then you probe, tell me more, tell me more. Why do you say that? Um, would you like to repair that? Would you like to do better? You have enough conversations with that one person over, over a month or so, uh, even the first time you become a trusted advisor because every other sales rep that's coming in is pitching product and yeah. they, they're inundated with product. They don't want to hear anymore. Dig deeper. How can you help me increase my revenue, increase whatever by 10%, 15%. One of the challenges I ran into, since I did work for a fledgling fund company in the 90s, is I, I got a lot of the, what we call the Heisman. No, Neil, I don't have time for an appointment. And I said, tell you what, Rob, how about if we just set a 10-minute appointment? You tell me what time of the day. My, I start my appointments at 7. I end at 6. How about a 10-minute appointment? I promise you, it'll only be 10 minutes. Said, oh, jeez, yeah, 10 minutes. I can do that. That's no problem. And I would set my watch. I had the runner's watch, right? Like you and I have been yeah. through many of them over the years. Yeah, yeah. And I'd say, Rob, I just want 10 minutes with you because I want to learn about your business. Will you please take five minutes and tell me about your business? And I zip my lips. I take. I said, do you mind if I take notes? I'd be like, you're going to take notes? No salespeople take notes. Well, I'm different. I'm not like everybody else. And I would take notes. And when after about five minutes, they were done. I said, based on what you said, let me ask you a couple more questions to dig a little deeper. And at nine minutes, I'd look at my watch and I'd say, Rob, I'll be in town again in about four weeks. Uh, I want to respect your time. 99% of the time, they said, no, no, no. Can you stay? This is really interesting. You've given me so many ideas to grow my business. I'd say, I'd be happy to stay. That was a 10-minute appointment. Now, sometimes they'd say, I have a client coming in. Would you mind coming back next week? This is really interesting. I was different from everybody else. Remember, we talked about this in training. Similarities don't sell, differences do. Yeah. So I always wanted to be different. And to go back to something you mentioned a, mo a moment ago, because you have the same philosophy I have when we're dealing with rejection or, or failure or whatever. Um, we have the ant philosophy. You watch an ant when we were kids, right? Watch an ant, put, you put a stick in front of it. It would go over, under, around, or remove the stick. Obstacles don't stop us. That's just how we're, I don't know if, we, do you think we're wired like that? Or do we, have we learned it along the way to just be highly motivated? You know, because I'm a trainer, I got to say we can learn it along the way, but I would say that we get a head start <laughs> genetically. We get a head start how we're raised and brought up. The fact that you came from that difficult environment and, and fought your way out in a sense um, clearly helped shape you. I just would make the argument that says, okay, so Neil's got a head start. I've got a backstory of my own. One of them is, you know, being raised by a Marine. Uh, there was a lot of discipline in the house, but that may give us a head start and nothing more. I, I, and, and so um, I'm just not one who will ever look at somebody and say, well, genetically, you're not programmed that way. So apparently I can't work with you. Uh, you might have to work a little bit harder. It's just like training a runner. I don't know if we'll get you to 217, but I will tell you this, if we set goals, if we train properly, if we do our very best, we watch our nutrition, bang, 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 wherever you are, we're going to dramatically improve. And that's my goal as a trainer like you is what if you're a two out of 10, I'm not going to make you a nine today, but I'm going to make you a four and a half or a five. You're a five. We're going to go to seven and a half. I'm going to move the dial. And, th and that I can promise you. Well, you hit something that we've talked about over the years. 10% of the population have goals, 
Otherwise, most are, as Zig Ziglar would say, wandering generalities. Oh, one of these days I'll, when I've learned that when people have a why, a burning why, something that means so much to them, they will find a how. And growing up poor, like I did, I said, and I had friends who were really well off. I said, that's the life I want. I'm going to find a way to get there. I don't care how hard I have to work. Totally right. fine. I will find a way to get there. So cool. Uh, you know, uh, speaking of which, you made that shift. Uh, like me, I, I told you, this is a doppelganger show. Uh, both of us out there selling, then both of us making a shift, yeah. shifted to sales training. Was it a revent? Why the shift? I, I believe, now this is getting a little deep philosophically, so I'll keep it somewhat. Neil, you getting deep? That's impossible. <laughs> really? Okay. We are not here for many years, right? Maybe 100, maybe 90, maybe 70. I believe we are here to make a difference in people's lives, whether we are salespeople or sales trainers. And at our age, we have so much wisdom. I'm 65. I think you're 50. And Thank we you, have, Neil. Appreciate yeah. that. <laughs> and I, I believe that at the end of the day, you know, when my when my friends show up for that big event where I, I finally go elsewhere, I hope they say, and this is the plan, let me tell you the difference he made in my life. Let me tell you the advice he shared with me or how he changed my business or my attitude or my life. Because we we can only inspire. I can't, you can't motivate somebody, but we can inspire with stories and success stories and examples. We can inspire people to be the best they can be. Not everybody's going to eat that, 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 that fuel, right? But many people do. And so to be a sales trainer, we bring in so many stories. You and I could talk for five hours in front of an audience and just have a scene and say, okay, let's brainstorm. Let's talk about how to be even more successful or whatever, right? So um, that's what I like about sales training. I know I'm making a difference in people's lives. I see it in the evaluations. You know, uh, people make personal comments like, you know, I, I've learned so much. You've inspired me. And now I can apply this to my business. I believe that's why we're here on earth. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I've, I've got a quote. Actually, I'm looking at it right now. It says we weren't put on this earth to make a living. We were put on this earth to make a difference. That's right. And um, I really can't touch your answer there because it's the, pretty much the exact same reason why I became a sales trainer. It's the reason why I wanted to write books like you. Uh, it's one of the reasons why I, I, I enjoy the, the podcast, uh, meeting people and seeing friends and, and having these conversations, because it does a, a, allow me in a different way, hopefully to reach out and to help an individual. Uh, you know, we're, I'm, we're not singing and dancing on this show. <laughs> <laughs> we're actually providing content and hopefully inspiration. And uh, so uh, I had a feeling doppelganger, you'd go there and you didn't disappoint me, but yeah, it's uh, it, to me, it was the same thing. It's, I want to help other people. I think that's why I'm here. Uh, you know, uh, I, I coached my kids. I coached other kids. Every time I stepped out and did something um, and I, I don't mean this in a sappy way, but I didn't even know it at first, I, but, but every time I did something that involved a group of people and changed them in some way, and, and they patted me on the back, I kept thinking, I got more out of this than you did, but um, keep, you know, pat away. But uh, honestly, folks, you're doing me a favor. You're, you're allowing me to, to share this with you. And so um, uh, I, I think that's the right reason, Neil. Um, well, I, I will share with you one thing that stood out when I first met you. The first day I met you in training, I had been through other programs with trainers who would just show up and they just do their thing. And you could tell they did not want to be there and they were not into it. I met you the first time and I said to whoever I was hanging out with, I was like, this guy's on fire. This guy, this guy, Rob, is doing something he loves, he's passionate about, and he's damn good. You can just tell. And you were so... Uh, I want to say friendly, but I mean it more than that. You're engaging. I, I was so excited. Your training was the best I've been to. It was fantastic. Oh, very kind of you. Thank and, you. And you became a role model for me because I learned so much from you. And uh, I try to be as engaging when I'm on stage or virtually. This is our stage now. I'm totally yeah. comfortable on Zoom, right? I think many yeah. people are. But yeah. you you were really one of the one of the inspirations for me. Well, I'm grateful. I, and, and thank you. It means a lot to me. Uh, and I will tell you, and then we'll get, we, hang in here, folks. We're almost done with this love fest. But I, I've, Neil and I have met 
thousands of speakers. I don't, I don't know. I, I can put on one hand the ones that I've actually stayed in contact with and just uh, connected with. And you're one of them, my friend. Uh, and so, um, but, I, but thank you for articulating that because I'm just going to dovetail and say, it's the same sort of thing. I see a lot of people that can deliver a message, but I didn't feel it in my gut. I didn't feel it in my heart. When you took the stage, I went, cool, I'm feeling it. Uh, and, and that's the cool thing about professional speaking. When it's good, everybody knows it. And when it isn't good, everybody knows it. So uh, there's no place to hide. And yeah. I don't know about you, Neil, but that's one of the things that attracted me to speaking, which was, okay, I, I, you know, I, I wasn't big on office politics. We can remove all the politics and we just play on an even field here. Let's have at it. And, uh, you know, decades later, here we are. Yeah. You know, one tip I would like to leave your listeners with is if you're with a company and you don't like the people, you don't respect the people, you don't like the product, move. Right. As somebody, I think it was Jim Rohn who said, if you don't like the way things are, change. You're not a tree. You're not planted in the ground. And, and I've had to do that a few times. I worked with people, you know, sales manager who was just very, very negative, hated my attitude. He said, you're too positive. You'll never succeed. Okay. Too positive. That's I think it's good. time to depart. And, and I, I, I left and, and you look back six months later, you're like, that was, that was, I'm so glad that happened because in a sense, he, he inspired me to get out of there and I landed in a much better place where I was right. welcome and I was appreciated and uh, it's a lot more fun. So the point is, if you don't like where you are, move. Yeah. That's a, that's a really good piece, Neil, because particularly, and we, we, we're talking to salespeople today. So I, we, I know who you are out there. I've never met a salesperson who wasn't a bit competitive. Uh, so sometimes that competitive juice flows in and, and it confuses us, meaning, well, I'm not a quitter. I won't, you know, well, they can't break me. Uh, and, um, now, one of our most wonderful strengths is actually conflicting with logic. And so what you've just articulated is really important because uh, what you demonstrated by saying, this isn't the place for me, this isn't, this isn't the product or this isn't the management, whatever, uh, don't confuse that with weakness. I would, I would if, if anything, confuse it with wisdom because that's what you're hearing. But I don't think that's a gut response from most salespeople. It certainly wasn't for me in my 20s and 30s. I was the guy that, I, I mean, I, I wrote about it in one of my books. I used to have this phrase, they're going to put on my tombstone. And then it, I, whatever I was feeling that day. But it usually had something to deal with. You can't break me. I won't quit. I'm never stopping. And you could see how, ooh, you know, if I was managing me, I go, ooh, I love that in you, Jealous. And yet, it's you're, you're putting it in the wrong places occasionally. And uh, so I, I think what you said is really important. And I'm just trying to appeal to people to remember that don't don't confuse this with competitiveness or quitting. That's not what we're discussing. Uh, it, you'll know when it's time. Listen to the voice. Yeah. You know, one of the things we have you and I have studied success for so many years and we realize to be if you look at a horse race. The difference between first place and second is sometimes a nose. Right. And one of the analogies I've used when I'm on stage is, you know, sometimes you have to realize when the horse is dead, you got to get off. I mean, maybe you've been there five years, 10 years, 15 years. If the magic is gone, move on. There are other companies that would love to have another top salesperson. And there are a lot of opportunities out there. So it's not quitting at all. You're absolutely right. It's just okay, I need to start start fresh. I need to start somewhere else and uh, and build, get that magic again. Yeah, it's a path. You know, yeah. I, I, I work with a lot of entrepreneurs, most salespeople. I mean, I always have to whisper in the ear, I hate to break it to you, but you do know you're an entrepreneur because <laughs> we're practically running our own businesses when you think about it. But everyone who's made the change that you just talked about and the change that I made 30 years ago and the change that you made to the Rain Group Everybody has the same mantra once they've done it. I should have done it sooner. Yeah. Everybody says the same thing. So a lot of times when I'm coaching or counseling someone, I remind them, I go, okay, here's what we're going to do. I know it's uncomfortable, but I, I, when you buy me coffee in three weeks or a month, it will call it the I should have done it sooner coffee because that's what you're going to be telling me. That's, right. that's what I always hear. I, I don't know what was the story there. I, I should have done it sooner. Yeah. I think it's that confusion between not quitting 
and you know listening to your heart and your gut you know and 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 that can get confusing that's where our tribes come in i think you know the people that are around you the people that love you the people that know you the people that understand you that's where you you, you sometimes you don't do this alone you got to listen and if you're lucky you get a, a, a somebody like neil who's on stage or who's conducting a program and you bend his ear and you and you get it there but um, it's important, and I don't think it's a, it's just not a natural move, unfortunately. All right, let me swing one, one of my final questions for you. Yeah. I, can, I can go forever with you. Uh, looking back, and, and again, maybe if you want, I'll swap them with you, although you, last time I got burned, you took all the good ones. But looking back on your career, what would you change, if anything? I'd get into commission sales earlier. Hmm. I, I, uh, I was considering um, commission sale, becoming a wholesaler in, uh, in the late 80s. And someone, many people said, oh, no, no, you don't want to be in sales. Rejection, it's so hard. You know, you're going to really be down on yourself. And I remember listening to Tony Robbins one day when I was on his subway. And he said, if there's something that is burning inside you that you want to try, try it. If you fail, you can always go back to what you were doing. I was inside sales. I was making 35000 a year. And I knew the wholesalers were making 100000 plus. I said, that's what I want. My goal as a, as a teenager, I wanted to be wealthy. And so a, a company took a chance from inside sales. They hired me as a wholesaler and trained me. In the first year, I made $165,000. To go from thirty-five to one sixty-five, dollars you're feeling really darn good. Right. <laughs> so, right. And it just got better and better after that. So the courage to trust yourself and, and to trust that burning desire. I wish I'd done that earlier. Can't change it now. And I've, you know, I've made, you know, we've made lots of money over the years. Uh, more importantly, I had more fun. I love commission sales. It's about relationships. Yeah. It's about providing solutions, about getting yeah. to know people and calling them on their birthday like nobody else does. And I, I wish I would have done that earlier, but it is what it is. Yeah. You know, I, I, I wrote a piece one time. I don't think people even understood it. I, you know, at this point, I, you know, I, I write my blog articles. I've been writing them for 13 years. Every two weeks, I've never missed a, a, a delivery. I, and so some of them get by people. But one of my favorites was, well, I probably antagonized a few people when I said, I hate to break it to you, but we're all on commission. See, a salesperson, we get, we get paid for what we sell. Um, we're given a, a, a job. Uh, we're given an amount, you know, and uh, we have to hit that target. If we don't hit the target, we're going to be, there'll be a few warnings and then eventually we're going to be asked to leave. Uh, but if we exceed it, uh, we get compensated. Now, people who don't believe they're on co commission say, well, I'm not on commission. We might, you're kind of not, but see, you have goals too. You have the same targets we have. If you don't hit them, there'll be a performance review. You're going to go through pretty much the same thing we go through. And then you're going to be asked to leave. If you exceed those expectations, and I don't know about you, Neil, but I really do wake up going, I'd like to exceed my expectations today. Not where's that middle spot. Now, don't you don't go over that. If in fact you exceed your expectations, you're not compensated for it. So now who's in the right here? I'd rather be a commissioned in anything I do to say, sure, I, I plan on getting up in the morning and exceeding every goal you give me. And so therefore I would appreciate being compensated if I do. If I don't, we all know what's going to happen no matter what you call me. So that's my argument of let's stop running away from commission. We go back to where you started from at the beginning of the podcast. If we're selling a product that's not a good product or with a team that's not a good team or a manager that can't really manage it, then we're probably in the wrong place. But if we have the right team and the right product, commission away because I plan on, like you, being the number one guy out there or trying as hard as I can. And if I'm not, probably not the right place for me anyway. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah, we've got to believe in what we're doing. And uh, we talked about it earlier, life is short. My goal is when I'm finally in my rocking chair with, with my sweetheart, you know, watching another sunset or a sunrise, we get them both where we live, right? With, I know you're on the water. I've seen yeah. the picture. It's driving oh, me nuts. And I'm watching the sunset now. And uh, but I want to sit back and say, I've done it all. I've jumped out of a plane. I've become a millionaire. I've done this. I've written books. I don't imagine the people who reach our age, 65-ish, look back and think, oh my God, what was I thinking? I stayed in a job that was miserable for 15, 20, 30 years. 
where all I had to do is step out and do something I love. Right. And uh, that's the rocking chair test. Will we look back? I know we will and say, I've done it all. Oh, it was a heck of a career. Absolutely. Yeah. And I tell you, rest and anybody who just heard that went, oh, no, maybe I'm that guy. Don't worry about it. Or I'm that woman. Don't worry about it. Tomorrow's a new day. Yeah. Uh, tomorrow's a new day. Uh, okay. Well, what a wonderful conversation with you, Neil. Uh, you've exceeded my expectations. If I was paying you a commission, you'd get a bonus. And you were coming <laughs> in with a pretty high target there. Uh, how can we get copies of your books? Just do we go to Amazon or we go to your website? Where do we get them? No, Amazon's the best. Yeah. I mean, you know, they're all there and, um, and I appreciate you doing that. that that's very kind of you. So, um, you know, we're here to make a difference and, and yeah. we are. And okay. we do. Well, we're going to look for Neil Woods books and we're going to write reviews on Neil Woods books, folks, because that's what authors really want. But we don't tell you as often as we should. So I get, I tell it for my authors. So, Go grab one. Listen, my books are like my children. So they're all very special. People are like, you know, do you have a favorite job? No, of course not. But if I was, if I were listening to this podcast right now and I was really looking for some great sales ideas, pick one for me. Got to pick a child. So it's Sophie's choice. <laughs> pick a book for me. Tell me which one we need to get. I'd get if I got just one book right now. Oh, the best practices of successful financial advisors. It's filled with tips and wisdom. So, and, and if, if some of your listeners are looking for sales training, look up RAIN, R-A-I-N group. I mean, phenomenal people and great, great programs. It's one of the reasons I'm so excited to be here. Perfect. And I'll put, uh, and you're uh, uh, okay if they email you? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Neil Woody one, N-E-I-L-W-O-O-D-Y one at Gmail. There you go. All right. Well, you have done it again, Neil Woody Wood. Uh, I really, really enjoyed the conversation, folks. We're going to be talking once we finish this podcast for a few minutes, too. But can't thank you enough. Uh, I, If you listen to my podcast, it's rare I say this, but I really would love to have you on again. Maybe we'll get on the professional speaking side of this and throw out some nice speaking tips for folks. But we'll let this one rest a little bit. Very grateful you came in and, and just good to see, see and catch up with you again, Neil. Thank you. Thank you. I'm a raving fan of yours, Rob. So this has been a pleasure for me and I, I'm so grateful. Well, thank you. That means a great deal to me. And folks, we'll do it again as well as we can next time. Until then, stay safe. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, please rate and recommend it on iTunes, Outcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more information on this show and Rob at Jollis.com.